Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. 1 Timothy chapter 3, if you will. 1 Timothy chapter 3. Aren't you glad he's a chain breaker? Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Hallelujah. First Timothy three, verse fifteen. We saw this last week. It reads this way in the New Living If I am delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. You know, we have a conduct. We have a way of living. We have a standard to follow. Amen. He says, this is the church of the living God. So there is a, the church of the living God, okay? There is his church. Jesus said, I am building my church. And I want to be a part of his church. He said, this is the church of the living God, which is the pillar in the foundation of truth. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of truth. And we've been walking through this several weeks now. We've been diving into this idea of deception and, and staying and living free from deception, walking um, in discernment by the Holy Spirit. And we saw this, that the church is to be the pillar and the support of truth. I think it's interesting how he opens this up and he's identifying first our conduct or our behavior or our manner of living. Because this is something that we don't often connect to deception, but unrighteousness will dilute truth. Unrighteousness will dilute truth. And so the church has to have a value for righteousness if we're going to maintain a truthful position. See, what happens is, is if I begin to allow or tolerate or condone unrighteousness, even in its smallest form, then what I'm ultimately doing is I'm compromising the truth that I say I live by and believe. Because truth is absolute. Truth is consistent and truth is constant. I heard someone yesterday give this quote, may my life preach louder than my lips. May my life preach louder than my lips. May my actions follow what I say I believe in. And, and, and I'm not even just talking about sinfulness. I'm not even just talking about wickedness and evil. But I'm talking about if we say we believe a thing or if we're preaching a thing, if we're proclaiming a thing, then we need to allow that to become the standard in our lives. And, and we follow that inherently to the T. If I'm going to preach boldly about sickness and disease and that we have authority over that and we can walk in divine healing by the word of God, then when sickness tries to come into my body, I need to be quick to respond according to what I've been saying. See, you know, trial and challenge, it, it doesn't have to take you out, but it will, it will reveal where you are. If this is just something we talk about, if this is just something that uh, is on our lips but not in our life, then we're diluting the word and we begin. And, and then what happens is, is we force the word to bow to our experience. Well, I believed in healing until I got sick. So maybe that's not what the scripture meant. No, my experience doesn't divert the word. And my, my experiences and my histories and what I've been through or what someone else has been through doesn't change what the word says I need to get my life to align with the word and if I didn't see it right away at this moment I believe next time I will and I'll learn what I need to learn and I'll grasp what I need to grasp and I'll be better and stronger and 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 you know it'll build my faith but at the end of the day I'm not going to allow the word to be wrapped around my experience this is where deception and delusion comes in this is where deception and delusion comes in. And so we need to make sure that our conduct, how we conduct, how we conduct ourselves in the household of God, how we uh, uh, align our actions 
with our beliefs. How we align our actions with our beliefs. And if I'm not aligning that, it will cause me to dilute the truth and cause others to get uh, a different response or come to a different conclusion. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. I don't want to be the reason why someone else comes to a different conclusion than what the word of God says. Amen? I, I don't, I don't want to be that. Jesus had strong words for those, and he said, look, if you cause one of my children to, 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 to sin or to fall away, you might as well wrap a millstone around your neck and throw yourself. Why? Because you should not be the reason why truth is diluted. So we need to have a value for this in our own lives. We're to be a pillar and a support. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, um, I'm going to read it to you in a few different versions. I'm going to start with the New Living. Start with the New Living translation here. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly, clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. And they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will fall away from the faith, turn away from the faith, from the true faith, and they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. The, the King James Version reads it this way. I want to read it to you from the King James. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly. That means clearly. Or uh, you could put, put it this way. The Holy Spirit speaks in plain verbiage. He makes it plain. He makes it clear. The enemy is the author of confusion, and he brings chaos, but the Holy Spirit brings clarity. Anytime the Holy Spirit speaks, he is directing and leading and guiding us into truth, right? We've seen this about the Holy Spirit. He is the spirit of truth. And we said this at the end of last week's message, that you cannot fight spiritual deception with natural intuition. That is not how you combat deception. Well, we just need to teach them more. We just need to train them more. We just need to get more knowledge in them. We need to get more information. No, the only way you combat deception is with revelation. It has to be revealed. You can teach to your blue in your face, blue in the face. You can give them 115 different quotes and different scriptures and, and, and walk them clearly through the word, and they will not seek it. They will not see it because the Bible says their hearts are darkened. Their hearts are darkened. So I cannot inform your mind to overcome deception in your heart. We, teaching is great. That's a great environment to be in. That gives the Holy Spirit a lot of room to work with, but that's not the end all be all. And if we remove the Holy Spirit from the equation, from the conversation, we're never gonna get anybody out of darkness into light. We're not gonna see people come to know the knowledge of the word of God, the true knowledge that's only revealed. So he says that uh, the Holy Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, we're in those latter times now. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. In the New King James, last version that I want you to see. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. And so we, we left off with this uh, uh, pattern of deception. Remember this? We said, number one, that we hear a lie. We hear a lie. It all begins with entertaining. It all begins with entertaining it. Guys, we are in the day and age where you have to be more cautious and careful of what we entertain 
I'm not just talking, oh, it's, it's just a few moments, a few minutes. You know, I wasn't really listening. I wasn't, it's getting in your spirit. It's getting in there. And remember, it's spiritual, not natural. It's spiritual. So we have to be in tune with what's happening happening spiritually on a spiritual level, not just a natural level. And if you entertain it, if you open the door, why would we even crack the door open? Why would we leave the door open? And even sometimes the back door. It may not be your main point of emphasis or your main point of entertaining, but if you're entertaining it on any level, on any front, it will find its way in. It will make its way in. And before you know it, it will set up shop. Okay? It all begins with entertaining. It all begins with entertaining. We hear a lie. Secondly, we believe a lie. You hear it enough, you entertain it enough, you begin to believe it. You begin to give credence to it. You begin to you 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 begin to to see its points. You begin to see its valid arguments. You begin to justify it. You begin to see different points of view. Remember, it's all perspective. It's all perception. It's so it's what what is introduced initially that you might find abrasive if you entertain it over time. Guys, we we are entertaining some sick things in our world today, but they didn't start out that sick, did they? They were introduced. They They were introduced into the system little by little. Okay? And then we begin to believe them. We begin to find a platform for them. We we begin to buy into it. We begin to give credence. And then ultimately, the greatest point of deception is when we begin to defend a lie. We come to its defense. We support it. Not only do we tolerate it, but we enhance it. Okay? We strengthen it. We solidify it. We defend it. We will actually fight others that show us truth. So we have to be careful of this pattern. In the King James Version, uh, uh, when I read it to you, it said, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Here's what that word seducing means. That word seducing means this, a deception and moral wandering. A deception and moral wandering. The first thing I want you to see is that we're not talking about taking a full 180. I was walking this, and now I'm going clear to the opposite direction. We're talking about, it's just a a simple little meandering. What about out here? It, 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 we accept it little by little. We, nobody's just taking a hard 90 and saying, okay, I'm altering my, in fact, it, it's, it's so minute and so small, we believe we're on the same path we were on before. Okay? So it's these little deviations, entertaining little by little, allowing things to creep in, allowing things to become a part of us that is not a part of the truth of the word of God, a, de- a deception, a moral wandering. It suggests a person or nation that has veered morally from a solid path and is now adrift. It suggests a person or nation that has veered morally from a solid path and is now adrift. This word seducing has another uh, word that we could replace with it. It's delusion. Delusion. This word seducing can also be translated delusion. And so this is how 
this is how it gets introduced. It gets introduced, this will take us back to Genesis chapter three. It gets introduced stealthily, methodically, and seductively. Stealthily, quietly, hidden, methodically, with an intention to pull you away. Method, I mean, the, the, the enemy has calculated strategy. Right, we've already seen this about the devil, cunning, crafty, sneaky, subtle, sly, right? We've seen this almost every week. Even Paul wrote and said, I don't want you to, to be ignorant of the devil's devices or the devil's schemes. That's his strategies. He's got a strategic, methodical, well thought out, well calculated plan to pull you off. Will you remain with the word or will you buy into Lies, stealthily, methodically, and seductively, so he makes it look good. Remember what it said of Eve when she saw that it was good for food, was able to make one wise, right? It, it looked good. See, when we go after, we think going after the things of the devil, or we think that evil is always going to pre be presented in such a way that we'll just want nothing to do with it. No, the enemy knows how to present it in a way that will entice you, pull you. It'll look good. It'll taste good. It'll sound good. In fact, the Bible even says sin seems good for a season, <laughs> And here's the thing, your flesh will have a good old time. Your flesh will have the best time on the planet. Your flesh will indulge it. Your flesh will live in it. Your flesh will want more of it. It's never satisfied. It's, it's a temptation and a desire and an appetite. Sin never satisfies. The lies of the enemy never satisfy. They always leave you wanting more. Every single time. It never brings fulfillment to your life. People that are deceived, they're some of the most unfulfilled people. You can see the emptiness in them. You can see the emptiness on their life. And look, they, they have so much money. They have so much wealth. They have so much fame. They have so much glory and yet are still empty. That's what deception does. Deception doesn't fill you up. Dece deception doesn't fulfill you. De you don't, deceive people don't feel like they're making a difference in the world. They, they are left empty. When they're left to themselves, when they're left to their own, at the end of the day, they say, this just isn't it. This isn't it. Because it looks good. But how many of you know many times the things in our lives that we engage in for temporary benefit have the least amount of long-term value. You ever notice that? The things that we will engage because it makes me feel good right now. I usually feel the worst about the next day, right? But have you noticed on the flip side, the things that have the greatest long-term benefit in your life often reap the least amount of short-term benefits or satisfaction, right? I know this is gonna pay off and you're having to encourage yourself and motivate yourself. It's like, I know that this workout plan, I know this diet plan, I know walking in love with this individual, but, but man, hating someone feels great. Calling someone out, telling them off, flipping them off, cutting them off, doing whatever. Come on, we in church, but y'all are still getting saved. That's all right. You might be my midweek crew, but we still working on stuff. Isn't that how it works, though? I can satisfy my flesh instantly, instant gratification, but long-term, I've set myself back. But I can put down my flesh, get over to the Spirit of God that says, no, this is how we're gonna respond. This is what we're gonna do. And in that moment, it might hurt. In that moment, it might be painful. In that moment, it, it might be tough to endure. But he says, if you will endure, then you'll enjoy. Then you'll reap. 
in due season. Isn't that what it says in Galatians? Don't, get, don't grow weary in well-doing for in due season. Right now, it might not look like you're doing much. Right now, it might not seem like you're making an impact. Right now, but if I will stay with the word, if I'll stay with the spirit of God, if I won't give in to gratify and, and buying it. And so deception just leaves you empty, man. It leaves you unfulfilled. You're just constantly satisfying yourself and gratifying your flesh. But at the end result, you're just as empty as you were when you started. We've made no progress. We've made no ground. We've moved no further. We have made no advancement. So he says that the Holy Spirit tells us clearly. So the, the, these, the this demonic force or the enemy himself moves stealth, stealthily, methodically, and seductively to entice people away from long-held established truths into doctrines or new concepts. Isn't that funny that they're always looking for something new? That's a key indicator. If I'm looking for something new, a new word, a new teaching, a new thing. God's doing a new thing, but he's also doing, you know, God's doing all of it. (laughs) He says, I do a new thing, but you know what else he's doing? He's still doing a lot of the stuff that he's always been doing. He's still demanding the same thing of us that he demanded from the beginning. He's still believing in us the way he believed in us from Genesis chapter 1. He still has empowered you the way you were empowered the first day you came in. He's still doing some things. God doesn't alter patterns and, and, and plans. And many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that will what? Prevail. That means it will remain. It will continue. It's not going anywhere. His plan and his purpose will prevail. But these, the, this, uh, the spirit moving stealthily, methodically, and seductively to entice people away from long-held established truth. We're seeing things that are getting derailed and pummeled today that, that I mean, I'm just perplexed or even up for debate. That we've even found a way to find a, a conflict in such a thing. Things that we're seeing in our world today that you're thinking, why are we even debating this? Why are we even challenging this? Why are we even asking these questions? Why are we encouraging this kind of behavior? What was wrong with the old system? Right? I mean, these are some of the thoughts that go in our brains. Why are we even trying to to make room for these? We're going out of our way to figure out who should be using what bathroom. What was wrong with males going in, in the men's restroom and females going in the... Regardless of how you feel that day, just go to the men's restroom. You know what I mean? Like, why are we going out of our way to support these things? Well, this is why. This is why. It causes us to veer off slowly over time, introducing things that years ago we would have never even thought would be an issue, and now it's being celebrated and supported, and they have flags, and we have days, and we can do this, and we can do that. Why are we having these types of conversations? Because the enemy has introduced himself into our thinking. We veer off. We veer off. Let me give you three facts real quick about delusional people. Delusional people. Number one, delusional people have a belief or feeling that is based on an incorrect interpretation of reality. Delusional people have a belief or feeling. Delusional people are often led by their feelings that is based on an incorrect interpretation. So it's a perception issue. It's not what is really happening. It's their perception of reality their interpretation of the things that are happening around them. And I've talked about it before, but there's all kinds of things that we use to filter our interpretation. Might be our experiences, might be our history, might be our programming, might be how we raise, might be whatever. Delusional people have a belief or feeling that is based on an incorrect interpretation of reality. Number two, delusional people 
cling to a false belief. Delusional people cling to a false belief even when confronted, even when confronted with evidence, facts, or proof. Even when confronted with evidence, facts, or proof that refutes their position. They will cling to it. They'll fight for it. They'll hold on to it. They won't let it go. You could give them clear as day proof. I mean, we're seeing that today. We use science to prove one thing, and then we use science to disprove another thing. It's it's whatever position we want to take that day. Okay? Delusional people cling to a false belief, even when confronted with evidence, facts, or proof that refutes their false belief. Number three, delusional people search for ways to affirm, support, and strengthen their beliefs. Delusional people search for ways to affirm, support, and strengthen their beliefs. And I'll tell you, they will even use the Bible. They will search scripture only to find verses to strengthen their position. (laughs) They're not Bible scholars. They're not Bible studiers. They're not going in being led by the Spirit and saying, Holy Spirit, reveal to me. No, they are just saying, "What, what scriptures can I find that will support what I already believe? What I already know. The conclusion I've already come to. The Bible is not there to support your belief. That's not why it exists. But unfortunately, delusional people live this way. Delusional people live this way. And and today, unfortunately, our culture has learned and developed um, an exaltation of the skeptic over the faithful. Have you noticed that? They exalt the one that asks the question, challenges the truth. They celebrate them as if you're some kind of progressive, some kind of out of the box thinker, some kind of individual that has learned to see it a different way. This is why we have to be careful when we're desiring for new things because sometimes going outside of the box means abandoning what God has put in the box. Sometimes going out of the box. God doesn't need us to be out of the box thinkers. He needs to be in the word thinkers, in the word studiers, in the word believers. Let Let the word of God be your box and stay in the confines of the box. But our world today celebrates and supports the the skeptic. Oh man, you know, I've just never seen it that way. I've never heard it. Wow, you're, you're just, you're such an amazing person to even bring up that question. Instead of the one that remains faithful and just says, no, this is the way it is. Oh, you're archaic. Oh, you're just, you're just one of those old timers. Yeah, this is where we're at in our world today. And so when we celebrate skepticism and when we celebrate cynicism and when we celebrate uh, finding a different way to see something, guess what gets compromised? Truth every time. Truth every time. I take you back to 1 Timothy 3 that he says we are to be a pillar and a support of truth. Pillars and supports don't find new ways to be pillars and supports. They're not over here one minute and over there the next. They are consistent. Guess what? His word is the same. When? Yesterday. When? Today. When? Tomorrow. Forever. I mean, just give it up. You're not going to wake up one day and say, well, I wonder if God changed his mind about this. It ain't going to happen. He's going to stay the same. He sees it the same. He views it the same. He's taken the same position he's always taken. He has the same stance he's always taken. His word meant the same thing yesterday that it means today and that it will mean tomorrow. So we're not trying to find new ways. I want to see new truth. I want to see more revelation. Sure. 
but it's not going to alter the position of his word. Let's go through this and um, go with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And you know what's interesting? This is one of the last, the last letter that that Paul wrote. And he wrote it to Timothy, who he was kind of handing off his ministry to. He told the Philippian church, I don't have anybody else like-minded except for Timothy, which is amazing for somebody like Paul. That at the end of the day, he had one person he could trust in and rely on to carry on his mission, to carry on his purpose and his assignment. And he said, I don't have anybody else like-minded except for Timothy. He's been a faithful servant to me. And 2 Timothy, he basically, I mean, the whole book is covering combating lies, combating the, the great falling away, combating those that would come up, come in to try to derail. You know that there are those that come in with the purpose to deceive. They come in with the intention to derail. They come in with the uh, the, the purpose uh, and the motive to bring division and to challenge. You know, Paul dealt with this in almost his entire ministry. He'd go into a town, preach, and as he would leave, somebody else was coming in to counter what he just got done preaching. And the enemy's doing the same thing in our lives. The enemy's doing the same thing. Over in uh, Acts I believe chapter 20, he, he's letting them know, you know, we're, we're setting up, he's, right, he's talking to the elders at Ephesus, and he's letting them, you know, I'm about to go on. He's at the end of his ministry, at the end of his road. And he says, number one, I'm thankful I never refrained from giving you the whole counsel of the word of God, the whole thing. I didn't leave anything out. I didn't skip a beat. I didn't step over something because I didn't know how you would take it or if it might be too confrontational or offensive to you. I gave you the whole counsel of the word. And then he told those elders to be overseers. Watch over the flock because there will be those that come in as wolves to scatter and to divide the sheep. And this is in the household of God. We're not talking about lost people that don't know God. We're talking about in the household of God. And so now Paul is giving kind of the same remarks to Timothy here in 2 Timothy. And you could really, I mean, I gave them all three. I said, chapter 2, chapter 3, chapter 4. I said, just put it all in there and we'll just kind of bounce around. But look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. And I want to start with verse 14. I want to start with verse 14. Remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. Again, he's writing to Timothy. Remind them of these things. We need reminders. You know, the, the, the dangerous place we get is when we always have to hear something new. If you can't tolerate being reminded of something might be an indication we're off on the wrong path. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would bring to your remembrance. Jesus told his disciples, I'm reminding you again. Peter said, I want to bring, bring this to your remembrance. Paul is writing, I want to remind you of these things. I want to bring this to your remembrance. I want to remind you. He told Timothy, I want to remind you of the gift that was placed upon you, stir up the gift, right, that was given to you by the laying on of hands. He's wanting to remind you, if we can't tolerate the reminders, you'll never tolerate the revelation. If you can't tolerate the reminders, look, God's reminders are just as powerful as his revelation. Oh, I need a new word. I need a new word. You know what? Sometimes God is just bringing you back to his word. Hello. Sometimes he's just bringing you back to a verse. You know, I, I grew up in those things where people would, would, would go from conference to conference and seminar to seminar. I just need to get a word from the Lord. Well, you ain't done the last one he gave you. <laughs> 
<laughs> you, you haven't even followed the last command. You're probably wanting another word. Not, you're wanting a different word you're, because you don't like the one you got last time. So you think, well, God, let's try this again. But God's not giving you options. He gave you the word and he says, when you follow that, I'll show you more. Remind them, he says, of these things, charging them before the Lord not to strive about words to no profit to the ruin of the hearers. And then look what he says here. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How can I make sure I stay with truth? Rightly divide the word. If I can rightly divide the word, I can wrongly divide the word. Rightly divide. Rightly divide the word. That's powerful. This is his charge to Timothy. In the last days when these come that are going to try to stoke the fires of deception and try to lure you away stealthily and methodically and, 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 and strategically and seductively. And it might be hard to, to determine and to tell the difference between. Remember we saw in Hebrews chapter 5 that we have to have our exercise and our senses trained to discern between good and evil. Well, I've got to be able to rightly divide the word of truth. And we have today a generation that is probably the, the, the most word deficient we've ever seen. Yet we have more access to it on this planet than we ever have. Ever. Paul did what he did. He didn't know he was writing letters that were eventually going to become a New Testament, but we have his writings. He didn't have what we have today. Timothy didn't have what we have today. These guys didn't, didn't have what we have today. Be diligent, he says. That means I'm going to have to have some intentionality behind this. If I want to stay free from deception, i got to be intentional. You don't accidentally discern. He says, you got to have your senses trained. Rightly dividing the word of truth. And then he goes on to verse 16. But shun profane and idle babblings. Why? For they will increase to more ungodliness. And what did we see earlier? Ungodliness, unrighteousness dilutes the truth. Ultimately, the truth is what gets compromised. I fall away from the path. I allow things in that are not of God, not of his word, that are not truth. And now I'm diluting truth. Now I'm, I'm opening the door to deception in my life. Shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And look at this, verse 17. And their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. And he called them right out. I thought love covers. <laughs> they must have went the extra mile. He just, how would you like your name to be in the Bible as one of the dividers? <laughs> you made it in the Bible, wow. But uh, it's not good. It's not, not good, you... You are spreading like a cancer, and deception will spread. Deception spreads like a cancer. It becomes cancerous. It causes decay. It, deca it causes death. It spreads. Their message will spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort who have strayed concerning the what? Concerning the what? The truth. And obviously it was defined enough that he could call them out and say, these two guys, they spread a message of deception and lies that directly refuted the truth that I have preached to you, that I have brought to you, that we have built this church on and built the foundation upon. And it's spreading like a cancer. And he says, they are refuting truth. They have strayed 
concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past. And they overthrow the faith of some, so it's impacting others' faith. It's it's impacting others' position to believe. It's impacting others' ability to stand on the word of God. Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands. You know what I love about that? It doesn't matter how much deception gets spread. It doesn't matter how many people disagree. It doesn't matter if if it's 100 to 1. It will stand no matter what. Nothing can alter the foundation of God's word. And I'm telling you in these last days, do not apologize for staying with the word. Do not apologize. Do not back down. Do not wane. Do not fall away. Do not take a step in the wrong. Stay with the word. Stay with the word. No matter how challenging it gets, no matter how difficult it may seem, no matter how alone you may feel, you might feel like uh, 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 Elijah. There's nobody else. God, there's, and it's, man, are you kidding me? I got 700 other prophets over in, they're waiting for you. I have set aside a remnant and he has set aside a remnant for these last days. And you're not the only one. You're not by yourself. You're not the only one staying with the word. Well, maybe I'm an old, maybe I'm just not seeing it. Maybe I need to be more, no, stay with the word. Because he says that foundation stands. Having this seal, the Lord knows those who are his and let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Man, we have the solid foundation. We have the solid rock. The only way you fail is if you come off. If you stay with the word, you will not fail. It will come around. You might look like a fool. You might be the only one. You might, go be, be, you might be going upstream. You might be going against the grain. Do it anyways. Stay with, I mean, I'm telling you, I am, I am praying for the church in the last days, the church as a whole to just be, just to have so much boldness because that's what it's going to take. You're going to have to look it in the eye, point it straight in the face and say, I will not come off. I will stay with what the word says. And I'm telling you, you're going to have to do it in the face of other Christians. You're going to have to do it in the face of other believers. You're going to have to do it in the face of those who, I'm telling you, it's the, the, it is getting divided. The remnant's getting sorted out. The, the, the shuffling is taking place right now by the Spirit of God. I can see it. But in Acts chapter 4, those disciples didn't ask for less struggle. They asked for more boldness. <laughs> they didn't say, Lord, take it easy on us. Lord, do something with them. Strike them with leprosy. Bring lightning down. They said, Get, grant your disciples more boldness. Grant your servants more boldness because we want to take them head on. Bring it on. I got the truth. And that's what you're going to have to have. We can't have sissy, mamby-pamby, lemon-faced Christians in the last days. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, God is raising up an army. He's raising up a nation. He's raising up kings and priests unto himself. And there's not, it cannot be any backing down. You cannot be, and so look, what stirs up that confidence in me? My time in the word. My time with the king himself. My time with the father. Man, you gotta be confident going into that. I'm not just saying just all of a sudden grow a spine. No, you get a spine by getting in the word. Now don't, don't go in there all bold if you ain't. Don't, because I'll read you a passage. They will rip you up, shred you to pieces, and send you on your way. Leave you half dead. Make you wish you didn't go up in there. You better know. You better have the confidence. You better spend the time. Man, get off the phone. Get off the Facebook. Get off the meet. Get in the word. 
I'm telling you, man, I just, I don't have time these days for things that are not helping me. If it's not strengthening me, encouraging me, building me up, getting me somewhere, advancing me, growing me, I don't want any part of it. And I'm sure there's plenty of people that want to tell me what's going on in the world. I'll find it out somewhere else. I don't need to have my nose in it, reading everybody's manipulated pieces of media. I don't need it. I'm sure somebody will will let me know the crazy thing that happened. I, I, I mean, you've got to be in the Word. It's the only foundation, guys. It's the only foundation. 2 Timothy 3, verse 1, but know this, in the last days, perilous times will come. So we're not denying that they're coming. So this should make me want to embolden myself even more. This should, okay, perilous times are coming. I'm not praying them away. I'm not saying, Lord, go easy on me. I'm saying, how can I be rightly prepared? Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. He names all that stuff and still says they'll have a form of godliness. That means on the outside it looks like it. He just named all those evil things that you think we would recognize as evil. We would recognize as horrible. We were, that's a lost person. They want nothing to do with the kingdom. But yet if we're not discerning, we'll look at the form and not see who they really are. This is where the discernment comes in. Perilous times are coming, I'm warning you. And these people are going to be so evil. They're going to be so against the mission of God. Yet it's going to look like They're godly. A form of godliness, but denying its power. And what does he say? From such people, turn away. Turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning, here it is, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. You can tell this is Paul's last letter. He's like, I don't care who I call out. I don't care what I say. I'm putting it all on the line. This is the last letter. I'm getting, because look at the next verse. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. But wait a minute. They have a form of godliness. They're liars, cheaters, scandalous, lustful in every way, despisers, lovers of themselves, lovers of money, but they look godly. See, we can't lose sight of this because we, in our minds, I'm thinking, you know, of of some nasty, corrupt person that I, uh, oh man, that's a, no, he's saying they have forms of godliness and they resist the truth, yet how does somebody that resists truth look godly? I mean, my, my mind right now is like, How how careful do I need to be? How cautious do I need to be? Because these individuals are going to have platforms. These individuals are going to have influence. These individuals are going to speak and people are going to drop at every word they say. They're going to have a form of godliness. And they resist The truth, men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith. But they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. Look at verse 10. How can I make sure I'm not that person? How can I make sure I don't have just a form of godliness? Look what he says. But you... 
have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, and then the last two, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me. He says, you're going to follow in the good things and in the bad. He said, you followed me. Now, can we say that? Can we tell someone else, follow me as I follow Christ? I mean, that, that's, quite a that's quite a confidence that Paul has. He looked to Timothy, he says, man, just follow my example as I have followed Christ. Follow my example. He goes on to say at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution, but evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things. See, he says continue. Don't get off course. Don't steer away. Don't drift off. Continue. Stay with. Persevere. Maintain. Endure. Whatever word you want to throw in there. Continue, he says, in the things which you have learned and been assured of. You better have an assurance in these last days. Knowing from who, uh, from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete. Thoroughly equipped for every good work. The last thing I want to leave you with going into chapter 4, verse 1. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is his last chapter. This is it right here, his closing statement. I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who will judge the living and the dead at his appearance and his kingdom. What does he say? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. You know what that means? You know, for us pastors, we've always used that as, man, if they call you up at the last second, be ready. You know, Pastor Earl calls it having one in the chamber. I've always got one in the chamber. And I, hey, I'm ready no matter what. I could be anywhere, everywhere, be ready to go. And that's for all of us. But what that really means, be ready in season and out of season, it means this when it's readily received and when it's resisted. When it's received and when it's resisted. That's what that means. He's saying preach the word. Stay with it. Don't let the people determine your preaching. Don't let the people determine your preaching. May our lives preach louder than our lips. Don't quit living it regardless of what's happening around you. Don't quit saying it regardless of what other people buy into. Are you seeing this? Be ready in season and out of season. Regardless, man, if they're shouting you down, man, amen, that's great. I mean, look, Jesus even had this moment. Jesus had crowds, multitudes come and follow and list, hanging on his every word. This man preaches with such authority. We've never heard anybody talk like this. And then in John chapter 6, it all gets derailed. He says, well, unless you can eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you can't have any part of me. And it says many of him that day abandoned and said, dude, this guy's nuts. And then he looks at his own disciples, the few, the twelve. He looks at them and he says, you going to go too? He wasn't like, hold on, guys, wait, I didn't mean it. Let me soften up my approach real quick. No, he said, well, I put it out there. 
If you receive it, great. If you don't, I had somebody ask me, doesn't it bother you when people challenge you or struggle with this? I said, no. I, I, I'm not going to stand up there for that. I'm going to stand before him for what I deliver, not for people's responses. Not even Jesus is going to stand for someone's response. He died on the cross. He shed his blood. And there's no guarantee anybody would receive that. And he did it anyways. And God's not going to take a quota from him and say, all right, Jesus, let's see how many people actually believed in you. Let's see how many people actually received the, the great and mighty gift that you, it's going to be the majority that don't. That's just the truth. At the end of the day, it's not based on that. He said, preach the word when it's readily received even when it's resisted. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering, that means patience, and teaching. Teaching. Teaching never fails. Teaching never fails. If we during time, stay with charismatic renewals and all these things. And he tried to warn them. He tried to tell them every single time, stay with the word. Do you around a lie or lean on your gifting or how God is using you? If you build your ministry around your gift, it will falter. We had healing ministries and healing uh, evangelists that were making up miracles. Tegan said, if it's not there, if they're to entertain, they were there to get a crowd. And Kenneth Hagin said, if it's not there, if the anointing is not there, teach the word. Just stick to, the, even Jesus had to do this. What did he do in Mark chapter 6 when none of them, because of their unbelief, would went about the towns preaching and teaching in the villages? And he's telling them, Paul's telling Timothy, if all else fails, teach. Teach. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine and there's unsound, false doctrine. They won't, they'll endure false doctrine, but they will not endure sound doctrine, grounded doctrine, true doctrine, real doctrine. They won't, enter, they won't endure it anymore. When you entertain false doctrine, soon you won't endure sound doctrine. but according to their own desires. Oh, I don't ever want my desires to be the leading candidate in this room. I get to say, I want to hear what I want to believe, what aligns with what I think it should say. Oh, that should never be the leading, the, the, what I haven't learned yet. Own it in this room right here. Teach me something I haven't seen. Show me what I haven't learned yet. I don't need some newfangled thing. I, I, I don't need it to agree with me, to be agreeable, to tolerate or be accepting of my lifestyle, condoning of my sins. Challenge me, confront it. Man, that's, there's no change without confrontation. In ears, they will heap up for themselves. Heap up for themselves what? Teachers. Teachers will heap up for themselves teachers and they will turn their ears away from the what? Truth is what's on trial. Truth is what we have to stay with. And they'll be turned aside to fables, he says, stories. It's not even true. But you be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist Fulfill your ministry. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithbaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time 
right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.